0: Good evening everybody. It's Wednesday, April 29th. I almost said May. I don't it's starting to get to the point where I don't know what month it is. Uh another day, another dollar. Here we are. Uh still indoors, doing the right thing, I guess. Um the resolve has not broken yet. Strained but not broken. I also took a couple of Advil earlier, so uh I feel fine, but just one of those days where it feels like you've been burning the candle at both ends for too long, and your brain's just like, Bro, you gotta sit on the couch for a bit. Which is ironic, because I do most of my day job from the couch now. So I spend most of the day on the couch, working, and um, now I just kinda wanna sit on the couch and rest my brain. Anyway, <laughs> how are we all tonight? Uh, t- it's a, it's a beautiful evening. Uh looking forward to the nice weather here in the uh, Greater Toronto area this weekend. Um you know, going to do a social distancing driveway party, which could be fun. Um but anyway, uh busy week. The Stutzla video came out today. If you haven't seen it, you can go check it out. Uh the um Passion video I I thought I put it out public on Sun on 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 uh, the day I supposed to do it. I was supposed to do it, but uh, apparently I didn't. The new YouTube system is a little bit finicky with me. Sometimes I you need to hit save on a lot of different things, and somehow I just missed it. So both of those videos have come out since. So hooray! Um, editing another one tonight. Uh, hopefully finishing it tomorrow. Uh, got three more shot ready to edit, ready to go. So pretty much a bit of a backlog right now, and then I'm tracking some data in the back end and building towards doing some more shooting, maybe early next week. Um, so yeah, I, I, I if you have any questions about the videos, please fire them away. Um, but before uh, yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna hop right into the questions here because uh, I don't know how much steam I'm gonna have tonight, but I'll try to get as many done as I possibly can before uh, collapsing from mental exhaustion. But I'm, I'm half kidding, uh, but yeah, we're gonna go as we're gonna go as hard as we can. Um, so Ryan Frechette starts it off here with the with the with the questions here. Also Mathis, I'm doing well. Today is, today is slow, one of those off days, but we'll get back onto it. Uh, hey Will, how's it going? Have you noticed the Perfetti nearly comes to a stop before shooting and making plays? Uh, he definitely can be you know, he can move around the ice, you know, at his own pace. I wouldn't call him, you know, a player that plays with a tremendous amount of pace a lot of the time, but he does have that in him. He's pretty dynamic in terms of being able to do, um, in, in terms of making, sorry, in terms of pushing pace and also playing more at a relaxed pace, there's an interesting, uh, interesting dynamic ability to him. I can kind of see what you're getting at. He does... Often, you know, slow things down before you know really surveying the ice and seeing what what his options are. Um, But personally, I don't really see it as much of a concern. I think he's really just sort of using his brain to the best of his ability. He's a great puck protector, and you know, he's a guy that can make a play or shoot it himself. Uh, And and the data that I've tracked on him so far is pretty good. So I think that he's a good. You know, really, really good option in the, top, in the top 10. I think that his skating might hold him back from being a truly, I would say, like elite player that someone who scored like he did at the Holinka, for example, um, might lead you to believe he is. But I think that he's going to be a very good NHL player and, and he can just sort of play at his own pace, whether it's quick or not. Um, and, and I think that that's an interesting part of his game, but I can kind of get what you're getting at. Um, Mathis, could you go into more details as to why you're not high on Michael Benning? Because I don't really like the AGHL, really. Um, whenever he's not in that league, he looks okay. Uh, He's a good puck, you know, a good passer. He's pretty agile on his feet, but his skating and his defensive play, uh, are not great. And, you know, his pace of play seems to be really one gear, uh, and it's not very quick. So... I just think, you know, the people who are using him and Kale McCarr as a comparison are not watching the AJHL, I don't think. Um, They're not seeing the blatant differences between those two players. Uh, Kale McCarr was an outstanding, attacking, aggressive offensive defenseman with remarkable skill and a great set of wheels. Michael Benning doesn't really have that, uh, at least not at the same level. I think there's a risk uh, with, with Benning in terms of when you ratchet play up how much adjustment will he need to make in his game i think that's something that you need to keep in mind with any player um and in the ajhl you can certainly get away uh with a guy like michael benning deep in his own zone on a breakout bombing a stretch pass to carter savoy deep in the neutral zone because he doesn't back check and push offense that way and go for you know carter savoy with his wrist shot from you know the face-off circle and he puts it top shelf you know like you can see how school goals can be scored that way with that team but i am questioning how he's able to to project beyond uh when he you know he might need a few years in college to get there and i think he could but i certainly don't see him as this like high scoring epic kale mccarr level prospect really and there's other defensemen that i'm just more interested in uh in your opinion who's the best 2004 prospect in the world well, uh, let's take a look, because um, it's so far in advance and I'm so uh, out of it in terms of the future drafts that I just want to double-check who the eligible ones are. Um, yeah, so you got Shane Wright, Matt Savoy, Mirosh Nuchenko. Michkov is for 2023, I think. So I probably right now would tell you that would be Shane Wright um, from what I've seen, I've seen Matthew Savoy play in the WHL. Um, You know, he'll get there. I think Matthew Savoy is remarkably talented, but both of those players played a major junior this year, and I came away far more impressed with Shane Wright than I did Matt Savoy uh, at that level uh, at this age. I mean, I'm not saying that that's a sure thing long term, but that's kind of how I see it. Brad Lambert, I think, could very easily be, you know, number two to Shane Wright for me. Um, you know, I really like Rutger Margrotti as well from what I've seen. Um Ivan Miroshnichenko, all I've seen of him is the the Olympic Games he played at, which wasn't the most phenomenal tournament, but you know, he showed extremely well and I thought he played really well there too. Um and he's coming to the USHL next year, so that's kind of fascinating. Um but right now I would probably go right Lambert Savoy and Lambert, you know, is already playing pro hockey. Uh, and, and there's a chance he could push right for, for first overall, he's extremely talented. Um, but, but so is Shane Wright and Matthew Savoy is as well, but I think that, you know, of those three, he's number three. And I mean, it's a great top group though. I mean, Maddox Fleming is in there as well. And I haven't even mentioned him. The other Jack Hughes is in there. Um, so there, there's a real, a lot of really, really good players in this group. Simon Forsmark is a defenseman that I've noticed a few times watching the Swedish junior league. He's a good player. Um, but I don't know if he's going to be that super high-end player at the end of the, at the end of the day. So there's a few, um, good ones, but I probably would put Shane Wright and Brand Lambert, Lambert at the top. Uh, do you think that Jarvis in the top 10 is a reach? Yeah, I think so. I think that's a little bit high. Um, somewhere in the teens, sure, but top 10 might be pretty high. Uh, between Dominic Bach, Rasmus Kupari, and Vitaly Kravtsov, who do you feel will make the bigger offensive impact in the NHL? Um... Probably, well, it depends. I mean, look, looking at raw talent, you know, maybe all, just looking at offense, maybe Kravtsov. But if Dominic Bach keeps his head on straight long-term and can focus on the game and, and just focus on training and getting better, which it seems like was a bit of a problem for him earlier in this season, then I think Dominic Bach could be the better offensive player in terms of multiple areas of the game. Um, but I do think that, that, that Kravtsov probably of those three is in terms of offensive upside right up there. Kapari, I think has a bit of a, of a shortcoming offensively, but he's a really good transition player. And I think he's got lots of potential there. Um, but Dominic Bach is a player. I love watching play. Uh, he got better and better as this year went on. So as long as he can keep his head on straight, I think he's going to be fine. Uh, hello, Alex Smith. Hello. What are your thoughts on Xavier Simono and his Drummondville teammate, Jacob Dion? I like Simoneau. I admire him when I watch him play. I, you know, he's small, but he works hard and he gets results, which is good. I don't think it projects beyond this year. I, I just think that the speed isn't quite where it needs to be. I think he's a smaller guy who looks faster than he is. Um, but his work ethic and everything, you know, I, I would certainly, you know, it's not, it's not beyond the realm of understand of, of possibility that he gets drafted this year late i don't think it happens but it's possible um might be a guy that teams circle back on next year if he's like a top level qmjhl scorer gets quicker gets more skilled and like you know you can't ignore his talent anymore then sure i could see teams picking him next year maybe if he's still eligible double check that um but he's been good this year i respect how he plays um Yeah. So he's eligible next year as well. So I, I I would be curious to see what happens. I am not anticipating him getting picked. Um, but he shows a lot of promise and if he can, you know, earn himself an ELC or an AHL deal after cute, the QMJHL, then that would be great. Um, and I think that's entirely possible. Uh, but he, you know, there's still some stuff that I think needs to come a step mostly with regards to his his agility and his speed because if he's gonna be an nhl player that's how he's gonna make his money is is by being quicker and sk- more skilled than everyone else and i don't think he's quite at the level he needs to be for that um and i think that for players like him they really have to choose or really have to prove to scouts that they can sort of buck the trend that smaller players have trouble uh in in pro leagues or the the narrative that's out there i guess um Thank you on the Stutzla, Stutzla video, Will. You, you you share the right, the correct name to have, uh, Will, and you enjoy my work. So thank you very much. Welcome. Uh, uh, Mike Malloy, hello. What's the highest you would take William Villeneuve or Helga Granz? Um, I have Villeneuve in the late second, I think. I don't think I would think about it until the mid-second to late second. Uh, I just feel like William Villeneuve's skating doesn't quite have it. Yet, uh, his skill and his shot are kind of where a lot of his money is made. Um, defensively, he's kind of, eh, like he's okay. He's a smooth skater, but not a quick one, not super agile, but, but he's a nice sort of two-way guy with a really nice shot from the point and, a, and a good ability to move the puck around the ice. So I like him in the second round. If he's available in the third round, then definitely I would take a look. His data is great. And I think that considering what I've seen of the Sea dogs, he looks pretty good. Uh, And with Helga Gronz, I mean, he's an interesting one. He's a hard player for me to get a read on. I still have to track more of him. Uh, I have him ranked at 33 right now. Early to mid-second, I would think about it. Uh, I don't think I would use a first-round pick on him unless I really liked him. Uh, You know, it might come down to, you know, his skating is really nice. He's a good passer around the ice. He's not super aggressive with his passing, at least not at even strength. Um, you know, not a tremendous offense, offensive player at even strength either. Uh, he's one of these guys who I think has a pretty big difference, um, between his involvement percentage at even strength and his involvement percentage, uh, in total. So this implies that he's scoring a ton of points on the power play uh, in the, in these 27 games. So I, I think that Gronz is a perfectly fine player. I think his production kind of masks the type of player that he actually is. Uh, his defensive numbers are pretty good. Um, at five on five that is. So I think he's a a, a solid sort of puck moving defender who can play competently defensively. He's a big dude with nice reach and he looked really good in the SHL from what I saw. So I like him, but I don't think, you know, maybe in the late, late picks in the first round, I would think about it, but early second to mid second, definitely. Um, and I think someone's going to jump on him because of his size and the fact that he is uh right-handed, I believe um let me double check that so i don't look a fool uh he is pretty young as well yep he's a righty so teams probably will take a look at him quickly um i just look at the guys ahead of him that i have for defenders like poirier wallander and sanderson and i think there's a bit more to like with those players um but Gronz is not far behind those guys uh what do you think of dylan holloway where did that question go it zoomed away it zoomed too quick What do you think of Dylan Holloway? Some people think he's offensively limited. After seeing him play a couple of games, I think he has all it takes to put up a good amount of points in the NHL. Yeah, okay. So I will spoil a future video. Uh, Dylan Holloway is one of the four that I've shot, so I won't say too much. But I agree with you personally. I think that, again, this is why the AJHL is not a league that I'm a huge fan of. Um, he was dominant in that league last year. Um, not Bob Dylan, Dylan Holloway. Uh, thank you, Google. So yeah, so last year with the AJHL, he was, I think, the leading scorer, if I'm not mistaken. So second leading scorer in the entire AJHL, um, you know, went to the under 18. I thought he looked pretty good at the under 18, uh, and, and I was excited for him this year, but there definitely was an adjustment period for him uh let me just look at the numbers here so game by game on elite prospects in his last what is this one two three four five six seven eight he his last two three in his last 10 games he had eight points and that is really promising i think that a large part of that comes down to how much of an adjustment period there was for him and how bad wisconsin was this year Wisconsin had no excuses with the weapons that they had, like Caulfield and Turcotte. Um, You know, even beyond that, Owen Lindmark is an interesting ad for them from from this season. Uh, Roman Assan was another one who I've liked. Uh, You know, they have Keandre Miller on the back end. Like, they have the weapons to not be a last-place team in their conference, and yet there they were. And it wasn't particularly close for them to finish last place, which really sucks. And when I tracked Dylan Holloway, it was really, really hard to get a read on what the f- who who was at fault, whether it was Wisconsin or Holloway, because there were some results that he drove that were really promising, and you'll see them in the video. But there were some things that were more team based that were really poor, and i I came away really disappointed with Wisconsin as a whole. I think that he was trying to do a lot on his own. I think a lot of the time, especially early in the year, he was trying to do too much on his own. Uh, I thought he was pretty predictable early in the year. He kind of had this move where he'd enter the offensive zone with control, stop up at the top face-off circle, and make a play from there. Almost every single time he entered the offensive zone. And to me, he's the type of player with the size and the skill and the speed to push deeper into the offensive zone, let something form around him and get pucks into dangerous areas. Um, He wasn't doing that a tremendous amount, but... Uh, I think that he could be a really good two-way player in the NHL. I think he's got the right mentality. His determination and his work ethic is very apparent. Uh, Really smart with his stick. Really smart with separating players from the puck um, and moving pucks up the ice with control. I think he does a lot of things really well. And I think that people devaluing him for his point totals are kind of not seeing the forest through the trees. I think Wisconsin was a really troubling team. I mean, they have a coach who's now entering his fifth year with them. And he has a really not great record with a team that should be one of the more heralded in the country. Um, so I get the feeling that there's weird stuff going on there. Their defense was immobile and not really that great at breaking pucks up the ice. So, you know, I, I think that Holloway tried to sort of move away from that style of play and put pucks on his own stick and keep the keep control of it a little bit better than the rest of his team so i think he's got a lot of potential i don't know about real high-end offensive upside but if it was his team that was masking a lot of his offensive ability then sure he's perfectly capable of you know putting points up especially with the skill that he has he's really really skilled with his hands which is really nice uh and he and he certainly prefers to maintain control of the puck at any cost so he's a player that i certainly like uh, and I think he's going to be a, a, a good pickup for whoever picks him up, especially if he starts slipping a bit in the draft just because he didn't score a ton of points. Um, Which Devils prospect do you think could make the team next year? Smith, Foot, Quokkanen, and do you think McLeod is a bust? Ooh. um, Ty Smith almost made the Devils, I think it was last year. Uh, I, I I think he has the potential to crack that team. They don't have a tremendous amount of options on defense. Um... Let me just pull them up. So. Why doesn't it just... Am I missing something here? New Jersey Devils. Can I... Okay. Well, while that loads, for some reason it's not... Okay, whatever. Um i'm pretty sure they don't have a tremendous amount of defensemen uh and i think ty smith could slot in i think he's one of these guys who spent too long in the whl but that's not his fault um that's not the team's fault either yeah so you've got like frederick Clayson, dakota mermis connor carrick um i think guys like who else like andy green's contract is expiring uh will butcher is around uh but that you know that's it um I don't know about Cal Foote. I think he needs some more time, um, but he's not a bad player. I think he'll get a chance to make the team. Koukounen, I hope, makes it. I've always really liked Yanni Koukounen. I think he can play. Uh, and Mike McLeod... Uh, I mean, it was a reach to pick him where they did, from from what I remember. I always liked Mike McLeod, for sure. I, I didn't mind him. Uh, I thought that his, off, his upside might have been a little bit questionable. He seems pretty you know straightforward as a player and a bit predictable over time but um yeah i mean it's not extremely promising to see him bounce up and down from the AHL to NHL uh i, I think that maybe if you can turn him into an aggressive sort of fourth line center that just plays hard all over the ice and 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 has that right nolan foot not calfoot calfoot's still in tampa my mistake nolan foot i still think nolan foot doesn't make it uh i'd like to see him you know, back in junior or um not in junior. Man, I am all frazzled right now. Um anyway, I'll finish on on Mike McLeod and then go back to Nolan Foote. Uh Mike McLeod, I think, is gonna be you know, you could maybe rehabilitate him, but again, if you want to see a player that might be a quote unquote bust, show me him going up and down from the AHL and NHL immediately after Junior. Again, that's not something I would have done with Mike McLeod, especially. Don't rush the guy. There were already questions about his upside. He had had, I believe, an injury in his last OHL season, uh, right? Yeah, so he only played 38 games, um, and he played 21 games with the Devils, and he only scored three points. Like, I don't know what you're expecting out of him after five games having trouble. Um, he had a decent AHL year, and then this year more of the same. Uh, you know, that this is the type of player that I think you park in the AHL for a while. Yeah. Um, so I I don't know. I, I don't, it's not over. He's not like ancient. He's only 22. He just turned 22. Um, but I'm hopeful that next year he can really solidify a role for him with the devils because I've always liked him. Uh, I thought it was a bit of a reach to take him at 12. Um, but that's a, that he's a decent player. I just think he needs to be a bit reset into something a little bit different moving forward, uh, with Nolan foot. Yeah. So he could play in the AHL next year, Um, And that's maybe where I would sit him. I think that another year in junior as an overager wouldn't, wouldn't hurt. He didn't play the full year this year. Uh, He had some nagging injuries the year before, Um, you know, and I've never been a huge fan of, of, of him in terms of, especially considering where he was picked, but in terms of a trigger man who can really shoot the puck and and have some nice skill, uh, I I think that he could be a good sort of sniper from the wings, but I definitely don't think he's an NHLer next year. Um, I don't think he should be, uh, I would definitely want to see him, um, in the a- AHL for a while. Uh, aside from the age difference, what would you say is the biggest difference between Sean Farrell and Bobby Brink? Sean Farrell is a better skater. Uh, we real hard worker. Bobby Brink works hard as well. Um, but definitely the skating I think is a big difference. I think Sean Farrell really just buzzes around the ice. You know, I think Sean Farrell's going to be a nice energy winger in the NHL one day, maybe a bottom six player. Not sure of his upside offensively, but in terms of a of a puck separator type player in the bottom six of an NHL lineup, I could totally see that. Bobby Brink, I think, has a lot of a lot more offensive upside. Really creative offensive player, moving pucks to dangerous areas way more. Um, you know, really good shooter, dangerous around the net. I, I like Bobby Brink a lot. So that the skating, I think, is the big thing that separates those two guys. But I think Bobby Brink's offensive upside makes up for what he lacks in skating, no question. And his skill is really nice as well. I think Farrell away from the puck is a lot more fun. He can play with the puck, but in terms of just being an aggressive energy guy, I think there's a lot to like. Uh, what non-NHL team has the best uniforms and why is it adler Mannheim? That's a good point. They do have nice ones. Um, I actually, bear with me one second. A very good friend of mine joshua tesler went to uh germany and got me this so i have one of these let me put that in front of the camera there it is and the best part is it has this on it so there you go ba-boom it's it's enormous um they like their jerseys loose in germany it seems uh this is a medium and it's a dress on me so take that for what you will um, but yeah, I'm excited to own that. I should have whipped it out in the video, but I, I didn't. Um, but that's, it is a nice Jersey. I do like, uh, I do like Shaleftia in, in Europe as well. Uh, in the, in the SHL, Jokerit has nice jerseys with the yellow and red and blue. I think that's a nice color scheme. There's another team I'm trying to think of that I've seen play, uh, that I, that I can't really remember. I love, the, the, the Uzbekistan team in the Russian VHL league, uh, humo, Tashkent. Um, I, I, their logo is so cool. I love it. Um, let me just pull up an image. Like these are, these are absolutely insane. I love these jerseys. Uh, Oh, where there it is. Yeah. Like I love these. I think it's so cool. And, and for the team in Uzbekistan to have made the playoffs this year in their first year, I thought was really cool um that's a that's a team that always is a lot of is a lot of fun for me to always kind of have in the back of my mind but yes Adler Mannheim has good ones um who are your hidden gems for the draft uh Murat kuznodinov is number one for sure um I'm surprised not more people are paying attention to him you can go watch him on YouTube as much as you want uh but other hidden gems not a lot of people are talking about Daniel Guschin I think he's a great player uh Dmitryov Chinikov was left off of NHL central scouting in Europe and I still don't know why uh he's a guy that I definitely could see being a, a pickup if you can get him in the seventh round then go nuts um if things work out right Samuel Knazko could be another one of those guys uh I I just really like him you're gonna live by him and die by him but I love how he plays when he's good especially which is kind of ideal. When a player's good, you want to like how they play. Um, Mitchell Miller is a guy who's quickly growing on me more and more. He's a really fun player to watch. Um, who else? Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. The, okay. I'm also going to let the cat out of the bag here. Benjamin Baumgartner, the more I track. Yeah, he's an overrager, but boy, he's legit. I think Benjamin Baumgartner is extremely legit as a hockey player. Uh, a guy ranked 80th in Europe. So if he's available in the sixth round or seventh round, I am pulling the triggers so frickin' fast. Um, he's at, he has moments like where he's just unbelievably gross. And if he does what he does in the NLA in the NHL, he's just he could be really good. Um, I really like him. I I you know there are weaknesses to his game for sure, but boy, he is fun and you know, he can come along. I don't know when his contract is over, but he's a guy that I don't see a lot of people really talking about. Uh, and I mean, he's a double over, he's a twice under undrafted player, which is fine. So people probably aren't super, aren't paying a tremendous amount of attention, but he was playing like third line minutes with Davos this year. Um, his coach is the, the meme coach for, for the Swiss team. I can't remember his name. Um, we'll pull it, pull it up soon. Uh, he's got, one more year on his contract in Switzerland. So if you pick him, you know, you might only have to wait a year before, in my opinion, he's NHL ready. Like the more ice time they give him, the better. Um, Let me just look at the coach's name because I love that coach. He's like amazing. Um, Is it even listed here? No. Uh, Of course it isn't. Can I look under roster? Probably. Yes. Christian Woolwind. That's his name. Uh, Wonderful. Just a wonderful player that I really enjoy watching. Uh, So I hope that's a few that you can take a look at. Uh, Carter. Hey, Will. I'm a huge fan of Helga Granz, and I know it's higher than most, but I have him at 15. I think he moves the puck well, skates well in defense. Yeah, so he definitely does do that. Um, Let me just pull up my data on him. I think I've only done three games, so keep this all in the right frame of reference here. Uh, Granz. His name is Granz. Yeah. So... Um, okay. Yeah. So D def- you're right. Defensively on transitions, he's good. 33% are done with control, which is really good. You know, only a third of the time are pucks coming his way done with control in the neutrals across neutral zone transitions. So that's really promising. Uh, he's quick, you know, when he gets his feet moving, he can be really quick moving up the ice. Um, dumps the puck a little bit too much for my taste, like kind of doesn't really use his teammates a tremendous amount. But when he does make passes, he certainly makes passes and and connects on them. Uh, He's up over 84% completion rate for me when I tracked him. Um, That's the best of any defenseman I've tracked, I think. And he also has the highest per 60 completed passes, I think. Uh, Let me double check that. Uh, Yeah, so completed passes per 60 minutes at 5-on-5. He has the most of anyone I've tracked this year. Um he beats uh Marat Kuznodinov by six. He has eighty-four point three right now. So that's pretty darn good. Uh there's no one else really close to him that I've tracked multiple games of. Brett Barard is actually or sorry, Zion Nybeck is up there. Um but not uh but but not quite on the same level as Helga Granz. So he certainly likes to move the puck a lot. Um he does skate well. I think fifteen is a little high for me. Um but I can see, you know, like maybe he's a number three through six defenseman in the NHL, like second pair, top, top end, or maybe a bottom pair guy that you can just rely on in all areas of the ice. And that's perfectly fine. But I'm not sure that that's a guy that, you know, is a first round, at least not top 20 to me. Um, But again, this year is weird. And I think that things get really fuzzy really quickly. And you could really make the argument for a whole bunch of different stuff um but i just not i'm not sure i have like the one thing about Helgogrands that i really want to bet on at least not from what i've seen so far and i usually like to find players with one thing that you're really willing to bet on that's really special uh that you can work on building around as they age uh hey will what do you think VT Mietnin's upside is i need to circle back on Mietnin and and finish tracking him i've done a few games um, I like him. I think he's legit. People are sleeping on him, uh, mostly because he plays on a bad team, I think. Uh, considering he plays on a bad team, he does a pretty darn good job of mitigating that as best he can. Um, You know, he's not perfect at all. Uh, I think that he's still ranked pretty low. I mean, he moves the puck up the ice offensively with control 68% of the time, uh, which is pretty good. And just looking at per 60 minutes here... Um, you know, doesn't do it a tremendous amount, but it's about on par with, I don't know, who do I want to pick here? Uh, like Connor Zari gets about as many controlled offensive zone transitions per 60 minutes. Um, he, yeah, so he, he does move pucks with control really often and pretty well considering how, what his team is. Um, you know, dangerous passes, does it a little bit, but not a ton. But in terms of being a trigger man, he can be really, really good. Um, you know, he has 12, just over 12 high and medium danger shot attempts per 60 minutes. The only players that I've tracked that crossed 12 so far in, in bigger samples are Guschin, Perfetti, uh, how many games did it? Yeah. Seth Jarvis is up there. Uh, Alex Poshin and Lucas Reichel so pretty limited company for guys who can shoot the puck and all of those guys probably will be gone in the first two rounds they should be so if you can get v team yetnin in the sec- in the third round fourth round god forbid fifth sixth or seventh then that's a guy that i'm swinging on i mean people are talking about T. exala being extremely talented in that league he played on a much better team and had fewer points per game and their ages are somewhat comparable um so if you can, if you can capitalize on people sleeping on VT Mietnin, I think that you may as well give it a go. I don't think Tuka T-Exela, you know, I think VT Mietnin's skating isn't on the same level as a, as a Tuka T-Exela, but I think he's a good player, uh, especially as a trigger man, even at even strength. I think he does a really good job uh, for, for the team that he's playing on. Uh, do you have any concerns over Nybeck's skating? Is there a noticeable, noticeable difference between his skating and Poshin or Gustian's? Um straight line speed. Nybeck isn't tremendously quick. I think that he has the sort of um, puck protection ability to make it work. He's a small player who can get low to the ice and and sort of fight through stuff. And he does. He's one of these guys who will get pinned against the boards and find teammates somewhere on the ice. So as as long as he has support, he'll probably get you the puck. Um, He's completing a ton of passes. Like a lot of the data that I've tracked on him is really good. Um, I haven't done i I've only done two games, but, but the, the, it, it's been consistently very good. Primary passing option for his team, tons of dangerous passing in the offensive zone. Um, but definitely a guy who I think pushes offense more than being a good two-way player. Uh, you're going to need to be patient with him. I think it's going to take a few years for him to get to where he could be. But I think in terms of raw talent, he's got first round talent, but I like Poshin more mostly because Pashin has more speed to him. Um, he seems to be in control of the play a lot more than Nybeck does. Uh, and when it comes to driving offense, I think Pashin does a bit of a better job. You know, so going back to that sort of offensive threat metric, um, which is basically individual high and medium dangerous shot attempts added to uh, dangerous pass attempts per 60 minutes. Nybeck is at 22, uh, and Pashin is at 26. And Poshin is way up at the top end. And while you mentioned his name, Danny Gushchin, again, a guy I need to go back and track more, he's up at 36 and a half. So Gushchin is a guy who's driving a lot of dangerous chances while he's on the ice. And all three of those guys play in junior leagues. Um, I think that there's more sort of speed and determination and skill to Pashin than Nybeck. But the creativity that Nybeck shows, his ability to sort of drive shot attempts on his own, Um, it's all really good. And, and I think that if he's not in the first round pick, then he's a guy that I could easily see uh, a guy that I would look at in the second round, no question. And if you know, yeah, his skating isn't great, but you can kind of work on that over time. Uh, do you find that there's a direct correlation of a prospect being born in, born in late September, October, November, and the strength of the draft? It's kind of fascinating that you mentioned that. It, it's something that's crossed my mind. You have Lafreniere, Rossi, Lundell, Amirov, Gundler, and Holloway, and Zari, all born in what seems to be September, and Jack Quinn. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You, you have eight players who might be all top 12 picks, maybe? Top 15? Like half of the top 15 this year are almost eligible for last year's draft. And if these guys were all eligible in last year's draft, I have no idea where they would be drafted. And that's something that you're going to have to keep in mind. Um, Like, Anton Lindell last year, I don't know where he would have been drafted. I I think that all of these players would have been in the top 10 of last year's draft, at least in that discussion. You know, like, I cannot see... Like, Jack Quinn, probably not. He probably would have been looking at his numbers like a second or third round pick who just has a really big year when you draft him which is great. Um but like Connor Zari was great last year. He put up really good numbers. Dylan Holloway easily could have been at least a first round pick last year. Noah Gundler should have been a first round pick if he was eligible last year. He should be a first round pick this year. But, uh, Rodion Amirov, I think perfectly reasonable to think he would be a first round pick last year. Great under 18, really good in the junior leagues. Uh, I don't think he managed to get any games higher than the junior league last year, uh, than the MHL, but, um, Oh, he played. No, he didn't. Okay. So he played most of the year in the MHL last year, but I think he's a player that you could easily see go in the well into the first round last year. Um, and then Marco Rossi, I think last year would have been an easy pick, you know, in, in that high end of the draft and Lafreniere probably not probably, but certainly would have been at least a top three pick last year, probably, probably first overall. Um, but at the very, very least top three. Uh, so it's, it's fascinating to think about it that way. And at the same time, I mean, there's a few guys that are born late this year that are available next year, and and that that could be interesting pickups early in the draft. And age is something that's important to keep in mind. It's not something that like will make or break a player. Like I still have between eleven and thirteen three guys that are almost eligible for last year's draft, but that's not that's not the end all be all. Uh, it just is kind of interesting. For example, with Rodion Amirov, if I have him at eleven, which I do, do I look at Murat Kuznetdinov, who is a year younger? And how do I look at Murat Kuznetdinov and say, okay, in a year from now, where is he going to be? Could he play in the MHL? Sorry, not the MHL, the VHL. Certainly. I think he could have played in the VHL a bit this year. Could he have played in the KHL this year? Probably not, but Rodion Amirov couldn't have last year either. Will Kuznetdinov play in the the KHL next year? I hope he gets a little bit of time there. Uh, Because I think that as the year went on, he he just got better and better and it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. But it is interesting to keep in mind that these players could be up to almost a year apart. So, you know, like Brett Berard is almost eligible for next year's draft. And he's almost a year younger than someone like, I'm trying to think of names off the top of my head who he plays with. Um, But, you know, we can just filter it. But uh, I don't want to get too sidetracked. But, you know, it is something you have to keep in mind. But it is pretty fascinating that there's a huge amount of, of players that that are, yeah, Ty Smelanich, for example, is, is 17.65 years old. Uh, and Brett Berard is just over 17. Um, so it's important to keep that stuff in mind. Um, but it's not something to like really write home about, like not all young players are automatically better prospects. Uh, which draft is more promising 2021 or 2022? My gut tells me twenty twenty-two right now, but twenty-one looks pretty good. I mean, I don't want to project too far into the future though. Things are strange. Um, but I right now I would probably go with twenty-two. Do you think Poshan skates similar to Quinn Hughes? Not very many people on Planet Earth skate similar to Quinn Hughes. I don't I don't see that at all. Um but Poshin is a very talented skater and, and definitely deserves more credit. But Quinn Hughes is like just elite on his feet, so i don't I don't quite see that, but again, Quinn Hughes was older for the draft class, I think he's an October baby, so Pashin is a July baby, so you're looking at two guys who again are almost a year apart um so maybe Pastion in a year could keep up with Quinn Hughes, but I'm not putting money on that bet really uh who's your number two defenseman in the draft right now, Poirier, but you could easily tell me sorry, excuse me, you could easily tell me that that's Wallander or Sanderson even. Um, but I definitely think that those three guys could all fight over number, number two in, in the, in the draft this year for various different reasons. How excited are you to watch the USHL next season now that Mirosh and Fantilli have joined it? Extremely. Extremely. Um, oh man, this bounces around too much. Uh, 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 uh. wow, there's a lot of questions. You guys like questions. This is great. Um, Nick Lelliot. L- Elliot. Leliot. Like ET. I don't know. Uh, Flames seem to be drafting around 16 again. I've seen a lot of talk of Mercer around there. Do you think there's a potential better pick in your mind going off your rankings? Of course. Mercer at 16 would be a good pickup. I have him ranked 17th. Um, you got to know what you're getting with him though. I think that he's going to be a guy that will be a finisher. So not a two-way player in the NHL, I don't think. Uh, His game is probably going to be put him out on the power play, put him out at even strength with guys who can play defensively and play in transition. Um, When Dawson Mercer turns it on, though, he can be really, really good. You know, it it just barely comes out unless he's finishing. So in terms of knowing how to put the puck in the net, I think he's one of the better players in the entire draft. Just when he's in front of the net, like the difference between him and other players from what I've seen is that. You know he kind of innately knows how to get the puck past the goalie when he's in tight. So he has the skill, he has the shot, he has the the agility to sort of maximize his chances of scoring. But I think that you know he can float around the ice a little bit too much. Um, there's a lot that he kind of gets away with. I think that Shikudemi exposed that a little bit. But I think if you're willing to give him another year in junior, let Shikudemi dominate the QMJHL next year. You know let him score, let him play and then sort of take him day by day, I think you're going to have a decent offensive pl- offensive player for your team. I think he fits in on pretty much any system. He's just, you have a guy who can finish the puck, which is great. So I think he's a good player. Um, not sure there's a, there's there's big upside, at least offensively, but I'm not sure that, that, you know, like there's work to be done there. But I think at 16 for the Flames, he'd be a good pickup. The Flames down the middle are relatively solid looking. So at least they could, you know, transplant him in over time. Uh, but I think he's going to be a guy that you let develop and, and, and work on some things over the next couple of years. Um, because I think with him, if he can learn to get a bit more of a motor around the ice, play a better two-way game, uh, then that's going to enable him to be in a better position to have to, to excel at what he does best. Uh, Benjamin Stravinsky, that is a, that is a name. Uh, if the Devils want to move up in the draft using the 10th and 17th pick, what potential pick do you think they can acquire? Interesting. Um, Well, I'm going to play the other side of that. So if, if the Devils are calling me with 10 and 17, so my top 10 prospects, That I think that there is a rock solid, in my opinion, top 10. In, in my gut, I think it expands to 12. But my realistic brain my 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 brain is telling me there's 10 guys at the top end, maybe 12. So you're going to get at least one of those guys with 10th overall. So if I'm the Devils, sure, I want to package those picks, but I know that of in that top 10, I'm going to get a good player. And the Devils, I think, know, if I'm the Devils, that they could use help at pretty much every position still. You know, like, they drafted a lot of defensemen last year, but they were all pretty much the same brand of defensemen. They drafted Jack Hughes, but not a whole lot of other skill, and Hughes is already in the NHL. Um, Their first-round picks recently haven't all been particularly phenomenal outside of the first overall picks they've had. Uh, So, you know, if you let the chips fall and you end up at 10th and you have a chance to add an Alexander Holtz, the idea of Alexander Holtz in a devil's uniform with Jack Hughes down the middle is... I don't know. I I don't even want to think about the damage he could do with Jack Hughes playing with him. Um, Jack Hughes could, you know, Jack Hughes had Cole Caulfield and made Cole Caulfield score like a billion goals. I mean, Alexander Holtz on his wing. (sighs) Um, but on the other hand, if you want, so if I'm the devils and I want to give up the opportunity to just take whoever falls to 10, I'm looking for someone specific. And if I'm looking for someone specific, I probably want to move up to like five because then you get a chance in my view of, you could add Jamie Drysdale at five, for example, if he's still available. I don't think he will be. I don't think anyone in the top three or four are going to move their picks. Like a Lucas Raymond in the, with the Devils could be a really good fit, like a really hard working two-way guy. Um, but you know, he might be a guy that slips in the draft because of his production. So. You don't want to run the risk of losing, you know, jumping ahead when you don't need to. And if I'm trading down 10 and 17, like maybe I'll get whoever is left over out of the top 10, whatever, that's fine. And I would pick at 17, but at 17, like there's a really good chance at 17 that you might miss. Like, I think that you look at 17 and in this area of the draft, and I think there's some players in this area that, either are overvalued or really risky. There's a lot of really risky players that you could take. And there's also a lot of really low-ceiling players you could take. Like, if you use that 17th overall pick and take a Braden Schneider, for example, like, you may as well just, to me, not make that trade. It's not really worth trading down. You may as well keep 5th overall, take, insert player X here, because I think the top 5 of this year's draft has really special talent. Um, Lafreniere, Rossi, Byfield, Raymond, Stutzla maybe even Drysdale. And then six to 10, I would say is where things, you know, that's when I would say, I don't really mind who I get, but I think that, you know, if one of these players is available, then I'm happy. And if it Lucas Raymond slips to say 10, then I'm really happy. Um, but if I'm at like six or something, then maybe, I mean, if I'm at eight and I'm moving down two spots and in order to do that, I get 17, then sure I'll do it. I don't care. Um, but if I'm the devils, I'm thinking like, I want to get into the echelon of pick where I can get a Tim Stutzla, or I can get a Marco Rossi um, if I'm trading both of those first round picks, because then I think it would be worth it. So I guess it depends on who's available. Um, can you explain the numbers you use for each category your individual player profiles? What are they graded out of? Uh, the player profiles is in the videos. I mean, so I am going to write up what all of this is. I have a video on it, um, which I will find and post in the chat. Um, let me just get it from YouTube's. Uh, so if you want to watch it, this gives you a pretty decent backup. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, anyway, if you want anything specific, I will, I will, uh, bring it up and, and, and go through it. But, uh, the individual player profiles, I mean, it's just a number and a letter that I just sort of apply to the category. The categories are mainly just to encapsulate what I think goes into hockey in general. Um, So I think that a lot of it is, uh, you know, it's just organizing it into, okay, how high of a level is this player in in this category and how often are they at that high a level? So I don't often give out fours to players, mostly because those players don't often get videos. Like there's guys who I'm tracking this year where I'm sitting there and I'm going, I don't know what I'm supposed to say about this guy. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know. They're guys. Like, it's just a dude playing hockey now. Like there's nothing that I can really, you know, when it gets to the good part, not so good part, best part section of the video, I am going to have a hard time discerning what that is. And I find that those players are ones that kind of spook me. So not all of these players are getting videos. That would, that would also kill me. Um, but so, but I do hand out like threes, like Pashin got a three. Um, last year, Ilya Nikolaev got a three. There's a few players that are in that category. Justin Bergeron, I think, got a couple of threes. So they do come out, but most players that I think are draft, that are dra- worthy of drafting in most of the categories will have ones and twos. And then the letters really are about consistency. So consistency can mean a whole lot of different things, which is why I use the words in the video to sort of explain what I'm getting at. Um but yeah that's generally the the gist of the the video ratings that are that are put out. Uh thoughts on James Hardy and where do you think he should go? I like James Hardy but I'm not sure he's much of a needle mover like he's a good shooter um you know overall just a solid player. Uh I think he's still ranked really low. Um I I think that that's really pretty a low ranking from Central Scouting for him. He's ranked in my fourth round right now. Um just not a whole lot of like remarkable data behind him, but he could be a good, a good trigger man guy, good all around offensive player. But I can't say I've seen enough of him to be really, um, decisive on him. Um, but from what I've seen, he seems like a fine player, just not a guy that I jump at early in the draft. Uh, if there were a movie made about any current NHL or who should it be about, why, and which actor should play them? Ooh, Keith from the top rope every week. Uh, a movie made about a current nhler um i would be really fascinated like you like i think this is coming up because of the last dance which if you haven't seen it watch it it's like the most inspiring incredible sports documentary i've ever seen in my life like i don't even care it's unbelievable uh so i think that's what it's feeding off of current nhler I wouldn't want to do like Sidney Crosby because I feel like he just is a guy who's like, I play hockey and that's it. Like you want someone with a story, um, or at least like a chip on their shoulder, you know? Uh, like I'd be really fascinated to see a movie about like Nathan Gerby who is somehow still kicking. Um, you know, a guy who like, there's a, there's a movie coming out about Rich Clune as well, which is, looks pretty interesting as well. But like Nathan Gerby is a 32 year old who's five foot four you know? And like, he's still grinding it out. He went to Switzerland and played pretty well, came back and is playing with Columbus. You know, like I, I, I'm fascinated by guys like that, who are such an outlier, uh, that, that you just, you know, you want to know kind of what he's all about. Like a college superstar that grinds it out and ends up carving out an NHL, NHL thing. Yeah. I saw someone mention Bobby Ryan. That would be a good one as well. Um, there's a few out there. I mean, Elias Petterson, because people didn't, you know, maybe if Elias Petterson turns out to be like a hall of famer, people can look back on him coming from kind of nowhere and having all these questions about him going into the draft when I had him at three and I went, this guy's really good. And I think people are kind of missing the, missing the full picture here on him. Um, but I don't, and he has a weird personality. So maybe there's something there, but, uh, I don't know. Uh, Thoughts on the Hitman's eligible defenseman Luke Prokop and Vandalist. I don't I can't say I've seen a tremendous amount of those guys. I've seen a bit of Procop. I saw him at the at the Canadian uh or sorry at the uh, Top Prospects game and he was fine, but I don't I don't see a tremendous amount of uh I don't see a tremendous amount there right now. Um Tony Ferrari, one of my quote unquote friends. Hope all is well. I'd love your take on Dylan Peterson because when I watch, there's a lot to like and I think he thinks the game well. His defensive game is decent yet unspectacular. Yeah, Dylan Peterson is a guy that I really want to like, uh, but I have a really hard time doing so. Um he's not particularly fantastic relative to his team on his on the ice, and or not particularly great offensively or defensively relative to his team on paper. But this is just USHL numbers. This is the full season. I think he's got an interesting package of a puck protect, puck protect bleh, of a puck protecting sort of mobile center. Um, I have him ranked in the fourth round, just outside the third round. I just don't know what he is. Right? Like I don't really know. Uh, I think he's a an interesting project to work with, but I wouldn't want to jump on taking him super early, uh, just because he's a big center who can skate decently. Um, you know, like John Beecher last year was really intriguing with the speed that he showed and the offensive ability that he showed. Dylan Peterson seems to be a guy who can hold on to the puck, but that's about all he does. He'll hold on to the puck, hold on to it, hold on to it, and then take a weak backhand from the goal line. And you're going, okay, maybe you can work with that, but I'm not sure the the like the I'm not sure there's enough to really work with moving forward to warrant like a top two round pick. So third or fourth round is around when i'd start thinking about it but yeah just kind of a question a big question mark for me with him for sure uh does tannis finally get drafted probably not um tony again uh oh peterson so he often played on the second and third line rarely with bordelos milanich or barard who seem to be the best offensive catalysts true uh but i still am not sure that there's quite enough there with peterson um you know, not playing with Bordelos Milanic, or Berard is not the end of the world. Uh, there are still some other good players on that team. I just don't... Like, I see what you're saying about Peterson, but I just think that there's a long way to go for him. Uh, what are your expectations for Igor Zamula moving forward? I really like Zamula. I was totally, obviously, like everyone else, sleeping on him. Uh, his World Junior was fantastic. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where his career goes. I don't know what he will be. I think he's AHL eligible next year. Um, Yegor Zamula. Uh, I think if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So he's a 2000 baby. So he's going to be going to the AHL next year. And I think he could fit in perfectly fine. He had It was really unfortunate to see his season end, uh, during the world juniors. I think he's going to be you know, he's going to take some time to get going. You know, he missed a lot of time. His injury wasn't particularly pleasant. Um, but I think there's a lot of potential. He's really mobile, nice size, uh, really good all around. Um, Oh, Xenome project quarantine cash. Thank you very much. I'm trying to keep the good work up. I'm trying. (laughs) Uh, thank you. Um, but yeah, I think he's a good mobile, mobile defenseman who I think could, could do some damage i i think you're gonna need to be patient though i think you're gonna need to take some time at least a year in the ahl for him to sort of adjust to the pro game get back into the swing of things play a full season um and sort of go from there but i'm a fan of his for sure uh especially after the world juniors he was fantastic um what do you think of ryan francis He's a lot of fun to watch. He's a guy I need to circle back on. He's one of the first CHLers I tracked this year, and then I lost my ability to see the QMJHL, which kind of sucks. His numbers slowed down a lot over the year, but he really does seem to be more of this all-out offense type player. I I think that if he's available later on, he'd be a good swing late. Um, He scores. He has nice skill. He can skate. uh, He's determined when he's on the ice a lot of the time. I like Ryan Francis. I think he slows down, you know, uh, he slowed down over the year and things kind of moved around for him unfavorably. I have him ranked just outside the second round because I think there's more guys that I'm more interested in higher up. He's a small guy who I think gets pinned against the boards a little bit easily. Um, But I do like him. I think he's a talented player. I don't know what his upside is, but you know, he could be a decent complimentary scorer one day. And I certainly if he, you know, because of his size, I doubt that he's going to get drafted really high. I don't hear too much being said about him. So I'm I'm thinking that if you can get him in the fourth or fifth round or something, then maybe he's a good bet. And I bet that's kind of around where he goes, but a team might sort of ignore his size and go, he's a pretty good player and, and, you know, a good complimentary scorer. So maybe we take him in the second round or third round. I just don't, usually don't bet on that happening. Um, Always believe in NHL teams to be scared of size or lack of size, I should say uh, Cardo Chupa, Rodion Amirov for top 10. Close, uh, to me, but no cigar. He's at 11 and I'm pretty sure he's going to stay there. Uh, Justin Barron is ranked higher than most of the smaller skilled forwards. If Barron dropped to 50th, would be you be opposed to the Maple Leafs taking a skilled forward over Barron? Absolutely not. I would pass on Barron if he was available at 50th or wherever the Leafs are going to pick. Like if it's at 50th, Like, I'm pretty convinced, you know, my rankings this year, I've stuck my neck out on a few things. Um, And I'm pretty convinced that, you know, last year I had Nick Robertson at 19. uh, And to see him available at 54 for Toronto or 53 or whatever it was, was phenomenal. Um, I couldn't believe it. And the fact that they took him, I was not surprised on one hand, but at the same time, like, holy crap. Um, But I really doubt that the Leafs would look at at Barron. I think that the Leafs are smart enough to you know, Justin Barron's not a bad player, but I certainly think that, I think that he'll be gone earlier than that, to be honest. But I also think that he's going, I think there's going to be more interesting defensive options available in that range. Like, I think the Leafs like more aggressive defensemen defensively. So guys who will pinch up and play hard and have their forwards cover for them. Uh, and there are lots of guys who do that. So, you know, I'm looking at the list now, uh, like, uh, you know, Samuel Kanazko is a guy who plays really aggressive defensive hockey Uh, you know, you might have like an, even an Anton Johannessen who doesn't play tremendously well defensively, but the turning pucks around and moving them up the ice, he's very good at it. Um, maybe Mitchell Miller is a guy that Toronto looks at. He's a phenomenal skater. Uh, and, and that's something that Toronto might look at. Um, but yeah, I think that there will be a skilled forward that drops to them in that pick. And I think they're just going to take the upside because that's usually what they do. Uh, you know, if Jean-Luc Foudy is available at 50, he's a guy that I would easily pitch to take, uh, and just see what happens with him. Because if he doesn't work out at 50th overall, it's not the end of the world. It sucks, but whatever. Um, but you know, he if he works out, he on paper, well, not on paper. He's had a pretty poor year on paper. But in terms of what I've seen of him and what I've tracked of him beyond his production, he could be a top 15 player in this year's draft moving moving forward from here. So. I certainly wouldn't just say, oh, Barron's available. Let's take him at 50. Uh I would certainly need to take a closer look at some other players who was available in that area. Would you consider Connor McLennan a high upside pick? Ugh, not really. Uh I don't know. I, I think he's a solid offensive player. Uh put up better and better numbers as the year went on, but I just I'm the the foot speed is a bit concerning to me. He's young, uh his team wasn't great. His defense is not great, though. He seems to float around a little bit, looking for offense, chasing breakouts. Uh, I don't think he's a bad player. I have him ranked just outside the second round right now. That seems to be within the range of what people seem to think. I don't think I would push really hard to pick him, um, but he's certainly got a lot of skill. He's agile, but not super fast, uh, and you know, he's a guy that I need to take a better look at over more games, but yeah. Just not a guy that I see a huge amount of upside with, but as a complimentary scorer, then, then maybe where you rely on him more for offense, but not, I'm not sure. He's got a ways to go. I think Peter Molina. Hey, Will, which prospects were put in a tough context, uh, which were put in a tough context this year and should have better seasons next year, different style for him versus his team, limited ice time, et cetera. Uh, Pavel Tutenev in Russia, who plays for Yoko Yaroslavl, he plays like fourth line minutes there. He's a guy who I think, uh, will show better next year when he probably stays with that team. Guys like Darian Berio, uh, Darian is likely going to be gone. Um, Denezhkin likely gone. Uh, a number of those higher end forwards with Loko are going to be gone. And I-, I think guys like Tutenev, uh, are going to fill that gap pretty well. Um, beyond that, uh, Jean-Luc Foudy I think, was at the whim of his line mates, which were often Curtis Douglas or, or Will Cooley or whatever, and those are not guys I'd play with him. Um, yeah, and uh, beyond that, it's an interesting question. Uh, you know, you want to find players also that might, like VT Miettinen plays on a really bad team. Guys who play on a really bad team might be worthy of calling into question um william wallander was an interesting case study he played a ton but you know the team around him didn't really adapt to his style of play super well like when he would pinch up into the offensive zone a lot they wouldn't they would try to think it seemed like they thought about it as a four-person press towards the net rather than what it probably should be which is yeah but if the puck bounces out and you miss the net, or hits a skate, or whatever, you got an odd man rush pretty much automatically coming the other way. So, you know, like, in my opinion, I think tactically he looks a little bit worse defensively than he usually would, uh, and I think that with the right system it can be worked out, um, because especially when he went to the All and his defensive numbers imp- improved pretty significantly. So, there's a few of them, but yeah, it's hard to pick that out off the top of my head, so maybe I'll think about that, and you can ask that again in a couple of weeks, um, what are limitations of Dawson Mercer's game? Kaya went over that mostly around his mobility. Just kind of floats around defensively a little bit too much. Um, can turn it on and off a little bit too much for me. Uh, not super dynamic, but a great finisher for sure. Great scorer, uh, really, really good skill. And when he gets moving, he can really get moving. From what you've tracked, do you think Ryan O'Rourke tops out as a third pairing defenseman? I honestly don't think Ryan O'Rourke is going to be much. Uh, I, ugh. I just don't know what he is. I one of these guys where I track him and I go, eh. like he gets he's been getting decent results, good I would say, but I think that a lot of it is luck. Like he's dumping pucks or he'll fire pucks out of his own end and it'll bounce around in the in the neutral zone, you know, it'll it, it'll hit his teammate's skate and go to another teammate in the neutral zone or something, or he'll pass it, it'll bounce off an opponent's stick and go right to a teammate. So in my tracking work, like tick technically that's a completed pass he's passing it and it's getting to a person on his own team and he's maintaining possession but with the video i have to add the context of yes the completion percentages were high but here are all these examples of these really poor passing decisions i don't think ryan o'rourke has the mobility that other defensemen have i don't think you know for a guy that has this reputation as a physical player he can be pretty poor at separating players from the puck a little bit too much He's just a guy that I'm not super high on. I mean, people who have him in the first round, I'll let you do that. I'll let you have that decision. Go nuts. Uh, but that's not one I would make. I, I just don't really see a tremendous amount in his, in his game. He has good footwork. His agility is okay. Um, his, he makes nice hard passes, but I don't think, uh, I don't think he's quite on that, on that level really. Uh, even, I I don't know, maybe in the future, but, but right now just, I think there's a lot of other defensemen that show more, at least in talents that I think you can really latch onto and develop. Uh, do you think Profetti will be a top end player despite skating issues? Probably. I mean, John Tavares has skating issues and I see a little bit of John Tavares in Cole Profetti. Gets low to the ice, maintains puck control really, really well, you know, can make a play or shoot it extremely well uh, you know, navigates around the offensive zone. Can, can, he's not slow. Perfetti's not slow. Like, I think that's a, that's a, you know, he's not the most agile guy and he's not the quickest guy all the time, but when he turns on his jets, he can really get moving. So I, I like Cole Perfetti. I've really come around on him over the course of this season. Um, but yeah, I, I I think that he very well could be a high-end player. I mean, he's perfectly legitimate in, in the top 10 of this year's draft. Uh, what are some players you think will go far before you're, will have to go far before you're willing to take them? Uh, uh, Jack Quinn probably will go higher than I'd be ready to take him. Caden Gooley, Braden Schneider are guys that I think will go way too high compared to what they could be. I mean, I like Caden Gooley. Like I have him ranked in the 30 to 40 range. I think, I think I have him 37th. Uh, let me double check. Yeah, I've got Gooley at 37, which I don't think is unreasonable. I think that's perfectly logical. Um, you know, I have him next door to Topi Niemela and just in front of guys like Lucas Cormier and Yoni Yermo. So uh, there are things about Caden Gooley's game that I like. I'll probably be putting a video together on him at some point. Um, but if you want to pitch him as a 15th overall pick because Sanderson and Drysdale are gone, no, I'm not doing that. Um, but I think there are teams out there that will do that. Uh, he's a fine player. He's decently good but I really am questioning his, his future trajectory or his upside. I just have a hard time with it. Um, just want to say I love the work. Thank you very much. I'm doing an important job spreading solid information for free. Not free if you don't want it to be. (laughs) Uh, the grind seems hard. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I appreciate that message. That's very nice of you. Uh, the grind is real. It's a bit of a grind. Um, now the fact that they might have the draft early in June, I hope not, because that means I have less time to do this, but I mean, if it does happen in June, maybe I will continue making these videos if we're all still in lockdown and doing all that after the the draft, just to, you know, continue tracking data and doing all of that, but we'll see. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it, but uh, yeah, right now, definitely uh, a lot of work, but it's it's great. It's a lot of fun for me, so so I appreciate the words of encouragement, Mr. Nick. Niraj, hello. Rossi and Lafreniere are three weeks apart and have averaged identical point-per-game tallies. Lafreniere and Rossi, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there really a big gap between the two? I think the gap is smaller than people think. I, okay, couple of things. I think the gap is smaller than people think, but it is true that Marco Rossi produced way more against poor teams than good teams. He was still a very good producer against good teams, which I think is what you should note. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is a note to make. I will also say that, yes, the gap is is close between the two of them. And if I'm being 100% honest with Alexi Lafreniere, he's got all the potential in the world. I think he's a phenomenal hockey player. I think he's going to have a great NHL career. But, like, for example, I tracked him this weekend, and he got thrown out of the game, doing something that you absolutely do not need to see a player do. I've never seen any player in this draft that I've tracked so far this year Get thrown out of a game in any games I've tracked, and that's how many games. Uh, how many am I? Mu- how many? How many am I up to now? Um, that's not right. I thought I was going to say three hundred. Two hundred and thirty-five games. So, I mean, in two hundred and thirty-five games, the one guy who does something incredibly stupid, so stupid that it gets you thrown out of a game, is Alexi Lafreniere, and it was really, really annoying. It it really frustrated me. And that whole game, he was not great floating around the ice. He, he blatantly has this mentality that he knows that he's beyond where he's playing, which leads me to believe that there are bad habits. Um, he's an extremely talented player, especially once the puck gets on his stick. He's like sublime. It's not, I'm not saying he's a bad player, but I think that he's going to be a curious one in the NHL, at least at first. Uh, I don't know. I I waffle between him and Byfield all the time. I really do. Between Rossi, I think Rossi is closer to the Lafreniere-Byfield group than he is the Raymond Stutzla, drysdale Lindell Perfetti group. That's why he's at the top end of that group for me. I love Marco Rossi. Two ends of the ice, he can play. He drives offense. You know, he scores points. He you know, uses his teammates effectively. He works hard. He's got a bit of an attitude to him. You know, yeah, Marco Rossi got suspended to suspended as well this year. Um, but like, I don't know. I just get the feeling that Alexi Lafreniere has this aura of like, I don't need any of this kind of thing. And that just kind of rubs me the wrong way. And maybe I'm just not seeing the forest through the trees. Um, but but people discounting Marco Rossi, I think are are making mistakes. Uh, Ronald. Great name, bud. Thank you for your hard work. You're welcome. I really appreciate it. I'm glad. With respect to your own ranking, can you identify the highest upside players in the 1630, 3145, and 4560 range? Uh, I'll try. So 1630, the highest pure upside... I mean, I would say the highest upside is Lapierre in that region. Like, if absolutely everything goes right for all of these players, I probably would put Hendrix Lapierre at the top. Um, being reasonable... Wallander, I would say highest upside, uh, 31 to 45, uh, poof. uh, foodie probably has the highest upside, but the biggest risk, uh, Kasper Simont has a lot of upside as well. Um, you know, other than that, I think if you're really swinging, Dmitry Ovchinnikov could be a really special player, but he's a real project. Uh, and then 45, 65, 60, 45, 60. Uh, let's see. Um, again, if everything goes right, maybe Knazko, uh, um, Miller, Tristan Robbins, I think could be a really good player down the road. Uh, Brandon Coe could be a nice scoring winger. I like him. I, 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 all of those players could have nice upside. Brendan Bresson might be a lower upside player in that group, but I think he's a good player. Um, but yeah, of these guys, Knazko, any defenseman here, Knazko, Johansson, and Robbins and Miller, I would say are, are, are up there. Uh, how far behind Amirov and Kuznetdinov would you say Gushin is? Not a tremendous amount. I have Gushin at 21 and Kuznetdinov at 14 and Amirov at 11. So Gushin's, I think, going to be a really great offensive player in the NHL. I think he's just such a dangerous variable all around offensive talent, um, know, his defensive play, I think is underrated, but I don't think it projects as well as his offensive game. I think he's got a lot of potential though. Uh, I, I really, really like Danny Gustin, but I think, uh, you know, I think that with the two-way game that you see with Amirov and Kuznetinov, both of those guys, I think are more admirable players to me, but you know, if you want a scoring winger, you know, who might fall in the draft, like you might be able to get both of those guys. You know, you might be able to get Amirov, Kuznetinov, and Gushin if you really wanted to, if you had two second round picks. I don't know. That would be pretty nice, in my opinion. I don't even think you might have to you might be able to get two of the three. And even then that would be great. Uh so I don't know, but I think I'm curious about about Gushin relative to the two. I don't think he's that far behind, but but definitely he is behind in my opinion. Uh thoughts on Wyatt Kaiser. Yeah, I checked him out this week. I like him. He can certainly skate really well. Uh, still a bit raw, like he's pretty much skating and that's about it from what I saw. Um, I, I like it though. I have him ranked, I think, um, on a watch list. Uh, yeah. So like, he, he's a guy who I watched more of in the USHL and when I saw him play, I thought, okay, like this guy's fine. Like he's a great skater, but there's not much else there right now, but that's forgivable considering he hasn't played a ton in the USHL. But I, and, and I definitely looked at him and said, well, I can look at these defensemen I have on my ranking or in my watch list and go, I would probably rather have the guy who could skate rather than this guy. So he kind of worked his way in there pretty quickly. Um, I like him. I, it's a curious one. I don't know how much I agree with his central scouting ranking, but I definitely think that, you know, just on, on his skating, he's worth a look. Um, but yeah, it's, he's, a, he's, a, he's an interesting case for sure. Do you find any draft related websites that stand out in either good or bad ways? Uh Pick 224 from Dave McPherson is classic. I wouldn't be able to do what I do without him. So thank you very much, Dave. Um EP Ringside is really good. I love Ringside. They have great articles. Their methodology is really good. Their team of guys is is really you know, guys and girls, I should say, is really good. Um you know, I don't agree with everyone on absolutely everything there, but that's probably a good thing they're they're probably one of the better ones mckean's as well is is starting to add more talent add more guys uh and and do their thing you know in their own way like they're giving me a lot of creative control over doing what i'm doing uh which is really great of them i i'm really thankful that they brought me on board um so i'm really happy to be on board with with mckean's as well and there there are things in the works that i think they're going to be planning on putting out that will push that website back into what you know what it could be um, outside of that uh I know I'm forgetting a bunch they're they're all they're all unique in their own way. There's some that I definitely like more than others um but yeah that that's kind of where I'm at uh glass to cat. I was looking at your data visualizations and they look great thank you um I'm glad you enjoy if you're a patron, you get access to them for any amount of money uh I noticed on it that there's no tracking data on jackcoin. are you planning on tracking? yes. I am. I have a backlog of video files from the CHL I need to go through. He is a large part of it. Uh he will be on there, so I'll let you know. Uh Mathis, in every draft there's at least one player who goes in the late rounds who becomes an impact player in the NHL. Who could that be in the uh, in 2020? I mean, if it's the seventh round, Dmitry Ovchinikov could be it. That's probably the guy that I would do. I'm such a big believer in that kid. Uh he's extremely young, got so much better over the course of this season in terms of driving offense. Um, being more confident, his skating is phenomenal. His skill is great. He's a great playmaker. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, let me just look at it. Uh, 85% of his shot attempts come from medium or high danger areas. 35.7% are high danger. Uh, just for just for perspective, that is better than Marco Rossi in both of those of those marks. Um, and the only other player above 35% is Lucas Reichel. Lucas Reichel plays against men, but such is life. Uh, you know, almost 20% of his passes are dangerous attempts. 74% of his transitions are done with control offensively. Like you're gonna be drafting him for his offense, his defense is not spectacular. Um, but per sixty minutes, I'm just looking now uh of Chinikov, um per sixty minutes his offensive threat per sixty is on par with uh it's twenty four point one. That beats Marco Rossi, beats Quinton Byfield uh, beats, you know, who else? Cole Perfetti. I mean, he's playing in the MHL. He's playing in the weaker conference in the MHL. So keep that in mind as well. Um, but he's not a slouch. He's, he's doing the thing. And I think people are really misreading him. Uh, and I think if you're willing to be patient, he could be a guy that if you get him in the seventh round could be a really, really good get. Uh, and it also all depends on who's available at that range of the draft. Um, so it'll be curious to see what happens. There are some overragers that I think might be able to get, you get late. I mean, if Benjamin Baumgartner's 80th in the European, uh, ranking system, then he might be a guy that you pick up really, really late. Um, <laughs> Project, you're funny. Uh, where was it? I missed your, I had your question lined up in here. Uh, giving the Canes another idea. Yeah. You might need to look up, yeah, you might need to look up VT Miettman You might. He's going to St. Cloud State next year. I wouldn't be surprised if the Habs took him uh, because they have ties to that school. And they're probably like, this guy's pretty good. So, you know, if you like how we handled Ryan Paling and all that, then maybe this guy's for you. Uh, Have you seen Alexi McLuca and Lorenzo Canonica play? I have not seen Canonica play, um, but I saw McLuca last year at the under 18s and he looked fine. uh, But those are both guys that for next year, I'll definitely be taking a look at. I know who they are. Uh, and they're definitely on my short list for next year. Uh, I know it's not true, but it really did feel like Carolina almost fully cornered the Finnish class of 2019. Yeah, because they know how to find value in the draft, and people are ignoring Finnish junior hockey still. Uh, the only ones we didn't get was Altonen, and Pustinen, and Michelli. Yeah, and Michelli was playing in the USHL, and, you know, I was surprised that, that he had as good a year as he had this year, um, but... Yeah, he would have been an interesting pickup for Carolina, to say the least. And Altonen, and I'm still a believer in. I think he's just adjusting to the Liga. People writing off guys a year in are missing the point. Um, what do you think about Evangelista and Cormier? I'm kind of lukewarm on both. I don't get the hype with Cormier as much as others. Uh, I think he's a good puck mover, a decent, you know, good skater. Loves to shoot the puck, which is fine. Uh, but I feel like his defensive game is going to need to come a, a step And Evangelista is definitely skilled, good offensive player, but one of the worst on paper defensive players on the sheet. But he drives a ton of even strength points. Uh, you know, he's, he's a great even strength scorer. So he's a guy that I need to look at more and and maybe track a few games and and get a background on, um, because he does get good scoring rates. But again, the defense is something that in my viewings of London defense is a bit of an issue. Um, and on paper, it's a big, big issue. Uh, how do you feel about Nico Dawes? I don't know. He's a goalie and he's older, so I don't know. I don't know where I would draft him. I don't know if I would. I I don't know. Uh, Stranges and Foodie, not a huge fan of Stronges, big fan of Foodie. Stronges, I just don't think has it. I think he's a fun player to watch, but I don't think he's a fun player to watch that doesn't do a tremendous amount. That's kind of how I feel about him, but I still need to track more of him. Uh, haven't been been able to watch any games of J.J. j. paterka. How would you describe him? Would you pick him in the first round? I would pick him in the first round good aggressive great skater, great skill, hard worker at both ends of the ice most of the time um I like him i just i i i'm hesitant about his offensive upside, but I think that as a as a two way guy he could be valuable um tons of offensive control transitions as well, which is nice and I would use a first round pick on him. I don't think I'd use a high one. Um, but easily an easy call in the second round for me, no question. But late first, I I have him ranked, uh, in the first round. Um, let me just check where, uh, I think it's like 20. Yeah. So 20th overall, that's pretty high considering compared to most people, but I just, I really like what I've seen out of him. And he's a guy who's tracking. I'm going to finish probably tomorrow. Um, should this draft be one with the most small forwards drafted? In the first two three rounds if so the Sens could benefit a lot from this as they have many picks and a lot of prospects who are big forwards you always think that that's going to be the case but it never is the small guys always get passed up for bigger guys um i know there's the article that floats around that says that scouts are saying that size is the most overvalued skill but when push comes to shove people tend to default towards big players the Sens certainly would benefit a lot from having more sort of skilled forwards but they have a lot of forwards in their system already They have a lot of defensemen as well, but I think that in the first two or three rounds, like I think they have three second round picks. It's going to be fascinating who they come out with because last year they shocked a lot of people, frankly, with their picks. Um, This year, they might do the same. I mean, this year, last year, I think they only had one player and it was their seventh round pick who was born in 2001. So the rest of them were born in 2000 or earlier. So they like older, bigger players. And if I'm thinking with my hat... You know my thinking cap. Let's call it greater than seventeen point seven five, so the the upper quartile of age in the draft. And okay, so how old is Brandon Coe? He's a two thousand one kid, right? Yeah, December. So we can probably back this up a little bit more. So we'll call it um, 0.6. Sure. So the older draft eligible players in the draft. You know, like if the Ottawa and you also you have to go, they I think all of the players they drafted were six feet or bigger. So if you remove all the players that are under, let's say six foot two, uh, because they like big guys, you might be looking at the Ottawa Senators going for I don't think they've also drafted a ton of Europeans lately. They did draft Lodine last year, so maybe you draft a Torgerson, maybe you draft a Mitchell Miller, which wouldn't be the end of the world maybe you draft, uh, Maxim Groshev, but they haven't drafted a, a Russian for years. Yarmir Pitlick could be a guy that the Senators look at if that's a guy who they want to, to pick up. Um, but yeah, not, not a bunch of players that I would jump at in the second round. Mitchell Miller, maybe Torgerson for sure. Coe for sure. Uh, I imagine Gooley will be gone by then, but you know, it wouldn't be the end of the world if they picked some of those guys. Uh, but you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how, how things work out for them in that range, because they certainly do need a lot still. Um, and if they play their cards right, they could end up with some good players. Uh, what prospect, in your opinion, do you think will be li- like most likely to slip towards the late first and simultaneously think they should have been selected in the early to mid-teens? He's not going to slip, but I doubt that anyone's going to take Marat Kuznetdinov really high. I keep saying his name, but i he's just the one guy in this year's draft that I think I'm feel like I'm the only one who really believes in what he's capable of. And that mostly goes back to his age and his two-way play. Um, you know, he's got tons of potential offensively. Uh, you know, he should be selected in in the teens, I think. Um, but be, you know, being more group thinky and, and, you know, thinking like everyone being realistic, um, late, so picked in the late first that you think should have been selected in the mid-teens. uh, Maybe a Maverick Bork picked late in the first might be a guy that I should think would be picked earlier. If Dylan Holloway slips to the late first because of his production, he should be definitely going earlier than that. There's a couple, but it's hard to say until the draft happens. Uh, The Richardson, the one, the number one one. I heard a scout make a comment about Jacob Perot being a standout on a terrible Sarnia team. Do you have any way to figure out the factor out the quality of the team or a player's line mates? Yes, I do. And it's funny that you mentioned Jacob Perot because he's a really good example of that. Um, so is Paterka actually. So in my tracking work, I track transitions and, and the players that are involved, or the sorry, I track the transitions the player is involved in. Um, and Perot inv- involves himself in quite a lot of transitions. Uh, let me just pull up his data here. Uh, 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 uh. Jake Perot. Jake Perot. Jake, Jake Perot. Yeah, so he's driving 45 controlled offensive zone transitions per 60 minutes. That's not quite on the same level as some of the higher end guys in this draft. Just for posterity, Jean-Luc Foudy has 71.6, which is extremely high. I guess I could just say that it's extremely high. Um 45 I would say is about average like Rodion Amirov has 45 Paterka has 45 um but that also is mostly due to let me just find the other data that I picked Perro um so oh that's actually never mind never mind uh he he is a good offensive driver uh I think his defense is 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 underrated but in terms of factoring out teammates it's important to look at where they're shooting from when they do shoot uh on their team how often are they the ones that's shooting um the transitions are he is he driving offensive transitions is he suppressing defensive ones um you know what position do they play is it a center and is that center facing a lot of high danger shot attempts why uh with perot you know i i think that you also have to look at you know, for example, with Perot, his pass completion percentage is 59.3%, which is bad. But you can look at videotape and say, well, his line mates aren't really doing the best job of getting open. They're not, they're not really doing that. Uh, when he wasn't playing with Jamison Reese, there wasn't a tremendous amount that he had. And also you have to factor in the fact that he has 26% of his passes going to the slot. So those passes are hard to complete. So if he's trying them constantly, which he does uh, then, then that can be hard to, and that can deflate his completion percentages. Uh, like he's up at 18.75 dangerous pass attempts per 60 minutes. The only people that beat him are Foody, uh, Chin, Seth Jarvis, oh no, Seth Jarvis falls short, Pavel Novak, but I've only done one game. Um, like that's really it of bigger samples. And so that's important to note. Um, But yeah, they're they're not wrong that Jacob Perl was a standout on that team. They are certainly not wrong. He's got work to do, but certainly a guy in the first round that's worth swinging on. Who's your top over, Adrian? Why is it Oksenthek? It's Oksenthek because he's fun and he's skilled and he's just, he moonwalked. There, that's my report. Nicholas Obey, how good is Zach Jones and what about him and Fox? Zach Jones is great. I made a video on him last year, so go check that out if you haven't seen it. Uh, and a lot of what I said seems to be coming true very slowly. So I like Zach Jones a lot and the Rangers got a good player there. Um, does Adam Fox have high potential? Was your follow-up question? The answer is yes, because he's already a great NHL defenseman. So kind of yes. Um, I'd want to see a Jack Johnson movie because of his crisis with bankruptcy. I don't know if I want to see a movie about that, but maybe, maybe it could be a side plot in a movie about a different player. I don't know. Uh, He's been ranked highly all year, but what do you think the chances are someone actually selects Askarov in the top ten? High, because if you have the chance at getting a franchise goaltender who's going to be in your net for ten years, then, uh, then and then, then, then yes, that's a worthy gamble. Like the teams that really stick out to me, like the Kings could do it. I think the Kings don't really have a goalie that's the heir apparent to Jonathan Quick. They still have Quick under contract for a few more years. Uh, they don't really have a goalie prospect in the pipeline that's a real high level player. Askarov, they have tons of forwards and a lot of good defensemen coming. So, Askarov could be a good pickup for them and if he doesn't work out and he turns out to be a backup, then you just kind of lick your wounds and move on. But if he works out, you know, you have yourself a franchise goaltender for however long you want to keep him and those can make your GM and your coach look like a genius or geniuses, I should say. So, you know, that that that's not a bad thing to add. Um fingers crossed that Askarov slips to us, but highly, highly unlikely. I'm assuming you mean the Canes and yeah, that's pretty unlikely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Maybe a better question is what would you view on taking a goalie be? Again, it depends, right? Like usually I'm very cold on goalies. I wouldn't have touched Spencer Knight in the first round, but you have a goalie who is playing in a men's league in Russia, which is not a joke on one of the best programs in Russia, if not the best team in his league, um, playing very well on that team. Uh, got to play in the KHL, which is important. Uh, you know, the only knock on him was the World Juniors, which I'll forgive. Uh, and, you know, no other goalie at his age has played in his league on a consistent basis for a whole season. And I think that's worth betting on, and let alone played that well. So I think it's perfectly reasonable to think Yaroslav Askarov could be a great pickup in this draft. If you're a team in the teens and you don't have a goaltender and you or you don't have you know, the goaltending pipeline that you can really rely on, Um, but you might have a guy who's entering, you know, being 30 years old or so, then maybe it might make sense to pick up Askarov and say, okay, maybe not next year, maybe not the year after, but he'll come over and maybe back up when he's 21, 22 years old. Like, he reminds me of a, like, with a goaltender, you know, he reminds me of a 17-year-old who plays like he's 25, which is kind of how that, and the under-18 gold medal game against the U.S., was what kind of solidified his opinion or my opinion on him. I think he's great and I would never, ever say goaltenders. um, You know, I I never thought that, you know, he was going to be that, sorry. uh, I thought, you know, I just thought after that, that he was worthy of a first round pick. And now that I've seen more of him, I go, okay, you know what? If he's a first round pick and he's this good and he's playing at this level and he played in the KHL, he's worth betting on. And if he works out, then you look like a genius and your team is way more stable. Uh, sorry in advance, but what did you think of Podkolzin's D plus one? It was good. I like Vasily Podkolzin. I just think his upside is pretty limited in terms of offense, but as a two-way guy, I think he's going to be great at it. A really, really great two-way player with great analytics. Uh, have you any found any parallels between Broberg, Kokonen, and Baron? Not really. Sorry, but not really. Uh, why did Kaliev drop to the second round last year? Because he's lazy uh, and bad defensively. That's it. Do you think Sanderson is really a top 10 or 15 talent or is the hype based on the lack of defensemen early in the first round? I think he's worthy of a pick in the 15 to 20 range. Top 10 to 15, if you really, really want your defenseman to play like him, sure, because he's good at it. Really good transition defenseman defensively. Good first pass shows good mobility offensively. I just don't think there's enough there to warrant being like a potentially elite top end defenseman, but he is good at what he does. 10 to 15, you could bring him up in a discussion with me and I wouldn't think you're crazy. Um, but there's a lot of good players in that range that I probably would take a chance on before Sanderson. Uh, okay. Um, I know comparisons can be crazy, but at times do you see Rossi playing like Marchand? Uh, not particularly, I'd have to think about that. I don't really know i I don't really see the mental side of the game that Mar- that Marchand has in Rossi at least not yet i don't I don't think I want Marco Rossi wasting his time acting like Brad Marchand, and I don't think I want Marco Rossi trying to be something that he isn't. Uh, just go out there and play the fricking game because I think he's extremely good at it. Brad Marchand could probably at at Marco Rossi's age not touch Marco Rossi. So I don't want Marco Rossi to think, you know, to devalue his game, which is very good, to try to be something else. Um, you know, I, I think that he could you know, the I'm trying to think of a player that he kind of reminds me of, but I can't I can't really pick one off the top of my head right now. Um, partially because it's eleven o'clock. <laughs> uh general okay so a lot a lot of chat about first round picking defensemen um is the reason you don't have sanderson as a top 15 guy because you don't see enough offense i just don't see enough of a dynamic player there really really good defensive defenseman really really good in transition but i don't know if i value that so much that it's worth a top 10 15 pick like a guy like yoni yermo is a better skater in my opinion and has relatively similar transition data defensively to Jacob perot but has more upside, I think, especially offensively. And if I can get Yormo in the second round, I'm not really jumping at the chance to take Sanderson in the first round, unless I love the kid. I think he, you know, and and if I think that his second half was going to be even better than his first half, which which you know it started off being very good. Um, so I don't know. It's just I think there's a gut feeling about him where I go, he might be like a. Three number three or four defensemen that you know can chip in offensively, but you know not look out of place defensively, which is fine. But I don't know how much I'd value that when guys who have a lot more offensive upside, which is what I'm always looking for in the first round, you know, when when those guys might still be available. Um. Okay, maybe Helga Gran sneaks into the top. Okay, so we're talking about right-handed defensemen going early. It's very true that teams will just take defensemen a lot of the time, and I'll let them go nuts. Uh, from watching Lafreniere, the world juniors, he wasn't afraid to go below the goal line and cycle the puck and brings physicality. Does he always play that way? Yeah. He's a very physical player. He's to me always been the guy that he's like hockey Canada's dream hockey player, really physical finishes all of his checks, you know, shoots from dangerous areas, shoots a lot, can also pass the puck. Um, I think he's going to be a perfectly good offensive NHL player. Uh, I just, there's questions about what goes on in here sometimes where i'm going could you just not like could you just focus a little bit and like move your feet a little bit here like i know you're phenomenal and i know you know you're great but you know like there might be an adjustment period in the nhl for him i think but i think he's gonna learn pretty quick um how do you feel about anti tuomisto he's fine Uh, I thought he was picked a bit high, but I like him. He's got a good shot from the point. His skating is the thing that kind of concerns me, but I think he's going to be a fine player, not a super high upside guy, but at least to quarterback a power play, he can do it. Um, and, and at even strength, he's, he's pretty solid. Uh, what's your opinion on Connor McMichael? I like him. Uh, I made a video on him last year and I feel like I should have leaned into the data that I tracked on him more. He was a great offensive driver, uh, of, 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 you know, dangerous attempts and and shot attempts and everything. He was great at it. Uh, just his skating was a little bit weird to me and his two-way play was kind of lacking, but his offense has always been great. Uh, didn't Yarmir Pitlick score 52 points in 26 games? Not this year. Um, no, he did not. He's, he's ranked low because he's not a great skater. He plays like a bottom six NHL player in this, in the OHL, which is kind of concerning. He's under a point per game and he's a September baby. He's not a guy that I'm going to jump at to pick. Uh, I know he was at the world juniors this year, but he never really stood out to me there. I, I think he's going to be a guy that has a long way to go to even become a bottom six guy, which is what people are projecting him to be. I'm just not sure he's there yet. Uh, really he's, he he's a guy who I always wanted to see better things out of and just wasn't there. Um, yeah. He had 50, say 50 points in 56 games this year. Just FYI. Um, the Penguins don't have a pick in the third round. Who should they take in your opinion with that pick? Whoever's available. Um, yeah, I, Dylan Griffin has, okay. So Murat, I don't blame you. It's fun to say. It is fun to say. Uh, Dylan Griffin has him at 11th and I'm not the only one. I know he does. Uh, I talk to him all the time. Uh, he's a, he's a part of the project, so he's on board. Um, but yeah, we talk all the time, and, and, and I like to say that I involved him in getting involved with with him. Uh, I think he's. I think I think that putting him in the mid teens, early teens, is not outlandish. Uh, I've heard that teams, some teams in the NHL, have him ranked there, uh, which makes sense to me because they're smart. Um, so I like him. I I, I, I think that's perfectly reasonable uh, to put him there. But most like outlets, I would say, don't have him that high at all. I think uh, EP Ringside had him at thirty two. Um, and I'm trying to think if there was ever one that had him in the first round, but I can't remember. Uh, Ryan Frechette, will you go live on draft day? I hope so, whenever that might be. But yeah, I'm hoping to. What do you think of both Nils Hooglander and Nils Lundqvist? I love Hoaglander's skill, his offense. I'm glad he signed with with Vancouver. I think he needs a year in Utica to figure some stuff out, but it'll be good. Lundqvist has been good as well. I, I, I don't know what to think about him still, but he's been he's really had a big year, and, and that's always promising. Uh, Niraj, the Kings, according to local reporters and insiders, believe Cal Peterson uh, is the heir to parent to Quick. Okay. uh, But I think he's what, 26? Yeah, he's turning 27 next year. So, okay. So he's turning 26 in October, 27 the year after. Yeah, he's young. Um, He's played how many NHL games? Where's his career stats? Show me his career stats. I wish you could just tell the computer to do it. Um, Yeah, he's played 19 NHL games. And in the AHL, he was a 900 goaltender. So if you think he's an heir apparent, then go nuts. By all means, good luck. Um, But I think you would be happy if you drafted Yaroslav Askarov and had him and then worry about that later. I'm just saying that that was the first team that popped into my head that might have been a good fit for him. Cal Peterson after, if they want to anoint Cal Peterson at 25 years old after 19 NHL games as the heir apparent to Jonathan Quick, then by all means go nuts. Uh, but that probably is not the direction that I would go. Uh, maybe he's just a weird case of AHL goaltending, not lining up with reality, but I don't know. Uh, they have a lot of weapons at the offensive positions the defensive positions for their pipeline i think that it would make sense if they did want to take askarov wherever their pick was uh and i think he's got i think i think that you worry about that problem in the future like askarov is 3 or 4 years away so you're dealing with a with a situation where cal peterson will be 29 30 years old when askarov is a rookie and if and if cal peterson is forced out you can trade him. They traded Jack Campbell and got a decent pickup for him. So, who knows? Uh time will tell, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh can you describe Alexander Niketians? Okay. Okay, I'm going to have to put a stop to uh the questions because I need to catch up and get out of here cuz uh I'm uh, slowing down here. So, get your questions in quick because I'm going to bang through them quick. Uh Can you describe Alexander Nikishan's style of play, strengths, and weaknesses? Is he worthy of a mid-second round pick? I wouldn't pick him in the second round, but I think he's underrated. He played good minutes in the KHL, seemed a bit overwhelmed at times. His hands are good. His speed is good. He can move a puck really efficiently. I like him, um, but as like a mid-round safer pick would be kind of where I would look at him. Who are the top defensemen in the 2021 draft? Uh, Luke Hughes is up there. Uh, Brand Clark, I love. Uh, Scott Morrow is a guy not a lot of people are paying attention to. I've loved watching him with Shattuck St. Mary's. Uh, those are the first three that come to mind. Corson Coolman's as well as up there as as a good player. So all of those guys are good options. Uh, would you consider Tyler Tulio's size a problem or do you think he'll be able to work out around it? He has good skill. I think he can work around it. No problem. Um, but I don't, I don't know if, if he's a super high level prospect in my mind, just not much of a needle mover enough, but he's a good player. Um, I think you could pick him in the second round and be perfectly happy with him. Uh, how good of a skater is Jarvis compared to other prospects and current NHLers? When he gets moving, Shall he gets really moving. Uh, I have questions about his defensive ability long-term. Um, but he really seemed to all, all year long have this no BS approach to offense. He can try to do a little bit too much with the puck on his stick. The more he played and the more confidence he got, he can be a little bit overconfident, I think, but most of the time, I think he's a really, really legitimate offensive player. Um, his top speed, I don't think, is particularly incredible. Uh, but it's not slow. Uh, let me just double-check that so I don't act a fool again, because that seems to happen a lot. Yeah, 1.6 seconds blue line to blue line is pretty quick. Um, and and he's, so he's not slow. The skill, I think, isn't quite on on, a, on the same level as some other guys. The agility, I think, is good enough... Um, but you know, he's an interesting player, but I'm not, I'm not a guy who, you know, I have him ranked at 15 now. Like he, he keeps growing on me for just that no BS offensive approach, which I really like. Uh, and I'll get to seven games on him and probably put a video together. Cause I'd be stupid not to, um, thanks for looking at my comment about Lafreniere. You're welcome. It always appears to me specifically with Canadians, the guys that play the physical of the world juniors, but don't get that way when they get to the NHL. I think he's going to be plenty physical in the NHL. He knows how to play hockey, Canada, hockey, And, uh, if he plays for coaches who like guys who finish their checks, he's going to fit in right away. Thoughts on Tristan Robbins. Very good player. Got better as the year went on. Tons and tons of fun to watch and probably very underrated. Uh, why do you think, what do you think of the percentage of Byfield going over Lafreniere is? Zero. Uh, what prospect do you think has a real, and I don't say that because I think that Byfield's worse Uh, I say that because teams are going to look at maybe Byfield's defense and Byfield with the World Juniors and go, well, we're not going to not take the World Junior MVP. Uh, What prospect do you think has a real chance of being this year's Alex Vlasic, where some NHL club picks him in the second round because of physical tools and yet are completely off the board? Probably someone like Tyler Clevin. That would be my vote. Um, What do you think Lucas Cormier's ceiling is? Power play, quarterback, sort of number four defenseman. You know, I don't think he's top pair could be better than bottom pair. He's like a serviceable middle pair guy who you put out on the power play to move pucks around and take shots from the point. Uh, Pavel Gogolev, question mark, question mark. Yeah. I like Pavel Gogolev. He's good. Uh, not sure there's a ton of upside, but as a good sort of wire it from the faceoff dot kind of scorer, he's pretty good. Got good skill on him as well. Um, I like him. I don't know if anyone's going to draft him, but I certainly would give him a camp invite and see what he can do. Um, Mathis Desjardins, Tyler Clevin is going to be this year's Vlasic. I could see that. I could see Detroit draft Asgrov if they could get pushed out of the top three. Maybe, uh, I don't think Detroit, maybe I'll say maybe on that. Uh, they have drafted Russians before. They're not afraid of them, but that would be a bit of a surprise. They don't really have a goaltending prospect that I would really write home about. So it would work. Uh, but I don't think that they're in the middle of a rebuild and that that's going to make sense. They still have some holes, I think, in their pipeline elsewhere that could be used, uh, on, on someone with a bit more upside. Well, with, with a bit more like offensive ability, uh, depending on who it is, but it depends on who's available at their pick. Uh, do you think there's a chance Hendricks Lapier drops to the second round? Probably. Uh, oh, earlier I looked up on the player I meant was Jan Yenik. I love Jan Yenik. I was so sad when he got hurt. Uh, I'm a big fan of his for sure. What do you think of Alexander Alexiev? I like him. I think he's I think he's a great defenseman, was really undervalued in his draft year, and I think the Capitals got a good one. Do you think the Capitals have the best scouts? They seem to always make great lace for late first-round picks. Sure, but they also picked Brett Leeson last year. They drafted two Prince Albert Raiders last year, both of whom are kind of eh. Like Protas, I like, but I don't think there's a ton of upside there. Just like how when Leeson went to the AHL, he kind of fell apart. I'm pretty sure Protas is going to find the same trajectory, personally decent skill for a big dude, but just more untouchable because he's so big. And that usually doesn't work in professional hockey. Uh, when do you think Alexeyev and McMichael will become NHLers? I think McMichael needs another year. Uh, Alexiev, I think had a good year in the AHL this year, but there's no rush. Um, there, there's no rush at all with, with Alexiev especially. Uh, I would probably give him another year and, uh, you know, he had, yeah. So he had a good year with Hershey just give him another year maybe give him a couple of games out of camp if he really has a great year or a great camp um but i'm not in a rush to put him straight into the nhl he's only 20 he's turning 21 i think he's gonna be fine but don't don't rush him same thing with mcmichael i think he needs another year just to work on his game and really dominate and lead um you know he's done that this year but just i don't he could be an ahl or next year but he's not eligible so But I would rather have him in the junior leagues than than the NHL right now. Um, okay, I'm gonna bang through these. What do you think the ceiling on Seth Jarvis is? Top six scoring offensive player. Hello, thank you, Niraj and Philip. Philippe, thank you very much for your contributions tonight. Uh, yeah, Seth Jarvis, I think could be a a first second line complementary scoring winger. I don't think he's a huge play driver on his own. But in the offensive zone, he has a lot of talent. And so if you have a line that can really push play into the offensive zone for him, uh, he could be a really, really interesting pickup. uh, If you just want a guy who can put the puck in the net or set players up on his line to put the puck in the net, I think that's kind of what I would expect out of him. Uh, Thoughts on VT Miettinen? Kind of went over him already. I'm a big fan of his. Bad team, good player. Uh, Who are your favorite teams when it comes to drafting? Carolina's up there right now. The Rangers do a pretty good job as well. Um the Leafs do a pretty good job as well, considering the the lack of picks they've had. Uh I'm fascinated to see what they're gonna do with I think seven picks in the sixth and seventh rounds. I don't know what's gonna happen there, but that's a that's an interesting one. Uh thoughts on Kotkin Yemi pick and player. Was a bit of a reach, but I wasn't as shocked as some people were. I liked Kotkin Yemi when he was eligible. Uh, I was very surprised to see him go straight to the NHL and he was even more surprised to see him be so good defensively. Um, but this year he seemed to take a step back. So I hope he can reset and figure it out. Uh, I hope it wasn't a case of too much too soon with the, with the Habs, which they've been able to do before. Um, but I like him. I think he's a good player, good two-way center, uh, good play, good puck distributor, good play driver. I like him a lot. There's a lot of potential. He's still very young. Xenome Project. Because he wrote last question before bed. Who are your favorite watch list players outside of your top one hundred and eleven? Actually, because it's won three times, so I I put out one hundred and eleven. Please don't take the end of it super seriously, um, but I only do it because it's funny to have won three times. I don't know. Anyway, um, favorite players on my watch list. I whew, I really like watching uh. Just for the fun of it, I really like watching Alex Gaffney and Josh Lawrence play. They're small, but they're rambunctious and they play hard. Uh, I love the UFA overagers, Igor Suchkov, Daniil Bashkirov. You know, I find Ivan Zivlak is the one who I'm most legitimately interested in. Uh, I find that he's a really interesting player to keep an eye on. Um, Artyom Murilev is a player who no one is talking about, but I caught him in the Russian Junior League playing for Omsk uh, similar to Grzyk last year. And the more I watch of him, I don't know about a super high ceiling. He's extremely young. He doesn't play a tremendous amount of minutes, but when he's on the ice, he's driving play really, really well. So I I think that that's an interesting case study to look into. So that's a guy I've been digging into a bit, uh, over the last little while. Um, and with that, that's it for tonight, guys. Thank you very much for joining me. I'm amazed I made it an hour and 50 minutes. I thought I was going to tap out in an hour. Uh, but Advil is a miracle drug. Uh, thank you very much for joining me. Um, video will probably be done at the latest on Thursday. Uh, there's three more coming after that, so over the next couple of weeks, be ready to see those. By couple of weeks, I mean probably the next week. Uh, and then we're gonna start. We're gonna keep the train rolling as long as we can. Um, in terms of videos shot, we're up to fourteen, which beats thirteen last year. My goal for this year is thirty, and I think I can get there if the draft is at the end of June. If it's moved up to the beginning of June, it might be hard, which sucks, but time will tell. Uh, Thank you very much for joining me. This was lovely. Uh, We'll see you on Sunday. Um, Sunday night at 8.30. We usually do another one of these, Uh, so stay tuned for that. Thank you very much to all of you who contributed. Uh, This was a a nice, helpful boost. Thank you very much. Uh, It really means a lot. so yeah, I'm, I'm happy to have all of you here every week We're we're getting more and more people every week. I was just on Sportsnet, uh, radio in Vancouver. So look out for that link whenever I get it, I'll put it on my Twitter and my Instagram probably. And yeah, so, uh, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, look out for a video later this week, probably another one towards the end of the week, especially if you're a patron and, uh, stay safe, stay home if you can and, uh, see you Sunday.